And we're live. Friends from around the world, welcome to Standing Up. Normally we do a pre-recorded Standing Up session. These are the one-on-one interviews. Today we decide to do it live. Our guest today is Mordechai Kedar. Mordechai is the director of, of the Center for the Study of, for the Middle East and Islam and Research Associate of the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies and a lecturer in the Department of Arabic at Barline University in Israel. He is one of Israel's leading figures in understanding the Arab world. He's the Middle East analyst of the daily newspaper, Makol Rishon, as well as other publications, and also architect of the Palestinian Emirates Plan, also known as the Eight-State Solution. I'm going to bring Mordechai on in a minute. Uh, the reason I decided to do this live is because Mordechai is a very interesting, um, intelligent, and also, you can say, controversial figure. And I know that our audience would want to engage with him and ask him questions. So we're going to have that opportunity. Um, as always, we're not going to have an after party today, but we will bring Mordechai Kedar on in a future in a future lounge session in our Discord. We, however, um, some group participants will have, however, go to the Discord after the fact and have a nice little discussion to just see how the conversation went and kind of debrief. And if you're new to this channel, give us a nice subscribe and like this video if you like what you see. And without further ado, Mordechai Kedar, it's a pleasure to have you. Adar, thank you very much for having me. So you are pretty well known for the Palestinian Emirates plan, also known as the eight-state solution. That's kind of what I'd like to focus on today. Uh, This channel is heavily focused on the Israel-Palestine conflict. And we are always looking to learn about new solutions. So tell us a little bit about the the Emirates plan. Well, for this, I have to give you a little introduction. Um, The Middle East uh, states uh, of today are um, roughly uh, divided to two groups of uh, countries. First group is the failing countries. And I mean Iraq, Syria. Uh, uh, Lebanon, uh, Yemen, uh, Sudan, Algeria, uh, and the successful countries are the seven em- seven Emirates, which are united in the or federated in the uh, United Arab Emirates, in addition to Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, and these uh, countries, which are very successful countries, uh, very calm, very rich. And and the question is, why is such a big difference between the, the group of the failures, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, and so forth, and the, the uh, successful countries, the Emirates, Bahrain, and so forth? Uh, at the first glance, people would say because of the oil. Because they, in the, in the Gulf, they have oil, so they are uh, nice countries. But it is wrong, because uh, Iraq and Libya uh, are total failure as a state, yet they have much oil. Uh, so uh, if, if this was correct, uh, and, 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 and Dubai, by the way, has no oil and no gas. And Dubai is like heaven on earth, while Iraq and Libya are like a hell on earth with the oil. So evidently it's not the oil which makes the good life in the Gulf. So if it's not the good, if it's not the oil, so what is it? Uh, and the answer is actually the sociology or the social basis of the countries. Iraq and Syria and Libya and Yemen are countries which are made of uh, multiple uh, groups of uh, ethnic groups like uh, Arabs and Kurds and Berbers and others, Turkmens, uh, tribal groups, in, in Iraq, there are the, the Iraqi population is divided to seventy-four uh, tribes. In, uh, in 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 Libya, hundreds of tribes. In in Yemen, also hundreds of tribes. And uh, there are uh, different uh, religious groups. In Iraq, there are like ten religions. Only in Iraq, if you don't know, um, and uh, and the sectarian groups, you know, Iraqi and, and Syria are shall be divided between Sunnah and Shia and Alawis and Druze and all these things. Why the countries in the Gulf, each and every one of them is homogenous, one group, one tribe. 
And the conclusion is very clear. If you create a state on a, a conglomerate of ethnic groups or tribal groups or religious group and or sectarian groups, you get a mayhem like Iraq, like Syria, hell on earth. While if you create a state based on one group, like Al-Sabah in Kuwait, the, the, the tribe of, uh, of Kuwait, or Al-Thani in Qatar, Al-Nihyan in uh, Dubai, Al-Maktoum uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, vice versa. Al-Nihyan uh, in, 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 in Abu Dhabi and Al-Maktoum are in Dubai. So when you have one big family, clan, on which you base a state, you get a successful state because it is stable. So if it has an oil like Abu Dhabi, it would be rich because of the oil. If it, is, if it doesn't have an oil like Dubai, it will be rich because of the business, because they don't fight with each other, these people, because they are one tribe. So here, it, here, here you are. The sociology is actually much before politics and uh, statehood. If you base a state on one consolidated, steady uh, tribal group, you get a heaven on earth with oil or without oil. While if you build a state on a, a, a big group of, of uh, ethnic groups or tribal or religious or sectarian groups, you get a mayhem like uh, uh, Syria or like, uh, like Iraq and Libya. So this is actually a very, very important rule when you come to think about the Middle East. Uh, a state doesn't create a nation like Iraq. There is no Iraqi nation because the Iraqi citizens are divided according to all these uh, uh, sharp lines of division. So is Syria and so is Yemen. They are citizens, but they are not one nation. They never, because they don't marry each other. They don't get married, so the groups do not dissolve into each other to create a nation. And uh, with the years, we can see that the people are much more loyal to the tribe or to the ethnic group or the religious or the sectarian group rather than be loyal to the state, to the idea of the state. And, th and this is the source of the failure of the failing states. So now, when we have to do something with a Palestinian issue, the question is, should we take the failing paradigm and create a state for all? Or shall we create emirates since they are not marrying each other? Because the clans of Hebron, of Hebron are not the clans of, of Nablus and it's not the clans of Ramallah or the clan of uh, Jericho or, or Kalkilia or Tulkarim or Jenin. They are divided. They, are, they don't get married with each other. Even the language is a little bit different, not to mention Gaza, which is totally different culture and different language and different everything. So if you create one state, one Palestinian state, made out of them all together, you get another Syria or another Iraq or another Libya. While if you create an emirate in Hebron for the clans of Hebron, if you create another emirate in Jericho, and another one in Ramallah, another one in, in Nablus, you create emirates just like in the Gulf. And if you want, you can show the map now. Uh, please do. And uh, so so the audience can, can see. Uh, it's, gone, it's gone black. I think on your end, you just need to re-click it, perhaps. Let me re-click it. Okay, there, there we you go. Are. Yeah. So here you are. You can see all, all the state in Gaza, which is all, it is a state already for 13 and a half years, since June 2007, since Hamas took Gaza over. This is a state, a functioning state. And, and Gaza functions as a state better than Syria, Iraq, Sudan, um, and Libya, and Yemen combined. So we have to recognize that the reality is the, the reality. And the reality is that there is a state in Gaza. And since Hamas, which controls Gaza, already fragmented the Palestinian Authority, we can continue and create emirates in the cities 
for the clans of the cities. Hebron will be the emirate of the Jabri, Kawas, Menachet, Tamimi, Abu Snena clans who live only in Hebron. Uh, Jericho in the east can be the emirate of the Arikat clan which lives there. Ramallah can be the emirate of the Bargutis and Abu Ain and uh, Tawil, uh, the, the clans of Ramallah. Nablus can be the emirate of the Masri, Tukan, and Shaka. Um, Tulkarem uh, can be the, 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 the emirate of the Karmis and so forth in Kalkilia and Jenin. Israel should remain forever in the rural areas, uh, offer citizenship to the villagers, uh, which are like uh, 15% of the population, and, um, and, and, and have uh, bilateral agreements with every emirate separately. Uh, in order to arrange life in that emirate, how they can go to Ashdod uh, Harbor, how they can go to Ben-Gurion Airport, how can they go to Jordan, how can they go to Jerusalem if they want to pray in Al-Aqsa, whatever. Um, water, sewage, electricity, what, everything should be based on agreements between Israel and each and every one of these emirates separately. If they want to create a federation, it is okay with me, as long as they don't have a territorial contiguity. Because a territorial contiguity might be translated into a, ter- a, a, a territorial terrorism. So in, in order to make sure that these emirates will be peaceful, this is the only map which can assure it. And, uh, and, and this is actually will be the best for everybody. Israel will have safety and, sec- and, and security. While they can be as flourishing as Dubai or, or Abu Dhabi or whatever, they can make business and flourish, and it's okay with me. Thank you, Dr. Kedar. So what comes to mind is the issue of the Palestinian national identity, and I'm kind of looking at this in two ways. I'm, I'm wondering if, if you view Palestinians as different in a sense from other Middle Eastern tribes, because for the past hundred years, they've really, their national identity has really strengthened. So although they are many different tribes, they do unify around the notion of wanting Palestine, right? Palestine as a country, whatever those borders look like. It seems like on one hand, this has made them more nationalist than what many of the other Middle Eastern tribes would be. And on the other hand, let's say you don't think that's the case. Do you think that a solution like this would get them to just forget their national aspirations and just be okay with the Emirates plan? Let me tell you frankly, if you read, for example, the Syrian uh, press uh, through the time of uh, Hafez Assad and Bashar Assad, you can be more than convinced that there is a Syrian people. Because they always, in the media, the state media, they always speak about, yes, we are unified, you are, we are one nation, one fist against all the the enemies. This is the discourse of the mass media in Syria. While the reality is as far as could be from that. And actually, I uh, wrote my PhD already 20-something years ago about the attempts of the Syrian regime to create the awareness of unity within the uh, uh, citizens. But the more they tried, the less they succeeded. And, this, and, because, and, you, and you can see today the result of the, uh, uh, of the lack of the awareness of togetherness in Syria, how, they, how these people are killing each other. Um, now, when you see the divide between Gaza and, and Judea and Samaria, Definitely, you can you can talk about what if they are unified, if they are a, a one nation. Why can't they sit with each other? Why can't they? Why cannot they uh, uh, agree on anything? For thirteen years, they they try to to bridge over the gaps between Hamas and and Fatah, and between Gaza and and Judea and Samaria. And they never succeed, and they will never succeed because they are so remote from each other culturally that even the language is different. Uh, in Gaza and in Judea and Samaria, not to mention other things. Now, uh, I would be, I would buy this idea of Palestinian nationalism if I saw uh, cases of marriage between 
uh, Hebron and, and Nablus, for example. But there aren't. They don't get married with each other because they keep marrying within the clan. Because the other clan is viewed like an enemy. This is the tradition in the Middle East. What can I do? This is the, 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 the culture of the Middle East. And since the cases of marriage between cities in Judea and Samaria are very scarce, Maybe uh, somebody who met somebody else in, 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 in the university and they ran away from home so they can actually get married. But usually uh, a 20 more or less uh, year old girl who is healthy, um, you know, she has, no, she has no choice to get married out of the clan or out of the city. If she's 40 years old and she has a short leg, um, they will marry her off to whoever will take her. But this is not the, the, the usual case. And, and that's why I don't buy these uh, allegations about Palestinian uh, uh, nationalism. Uh, the, the, of course, it exists if you read the, the media of the Palestinian Authority, just like the Syrian media, which tries to convince everybody there is a nation. But when you go to the, you know, to the street and you ask people, they will laugh at you. Is it that you... So... Are you saying that you just don't think Palestinian nationalism is stronger or you're just on the, under the impression that their tribal identity is stronger? The Palestinian nationalism, the success of the Palestinian nationalism is just like the success of the Iraqi nationalism or the Syrian or the Lebanese or the Libyan or the Sudanese or the Yemenite. It is in the slogans. It is in the papers mass media of the state it, it, it is not in reality Have you done some polling on uh, how Palestinians respond to a solution like this? Do, do you have some data from, from public opinion? First of all uh, actually there is uh, somebody else, uh, a guy named Mashur al-Batran look if I go in the, and, I, and I ask this question Everybody will say yes, because vis-a-vis -vis the Israelis, they will say that they are united. Okay, and this is the problem, because whenever somebody from outside comes uh, to have a poll, Israeli or American or whoever, everybody will tell him, yes, we are united, in order to make, to make faces, as if they are united. Just like the Syrians, they will all tell you that we are united. But domestically, they fight each other, or at least they don't get married with each other. So for me, th there is a gap between the slogans which they broadcast to the outside and what the real behavior in, in, inside. Now, how do I know this? Uh, only recently, like uh, half a year ago, uh, a guy named Mashur El-Batran, he's a researcher, researcher in Birzet University, which is near Ramallah. He published an article in... Uh, in, the, in, in the periodical named Palestinian Studies. Uh, this is a peer-reviewed uh, uh, academic uh, publication. And he, he wrote an article under the, under the title The Palestinian Authority and the Clans. Who controls whom socially? The authority or the clans? And this article uh, gives the whole a whole account and the whole story, what happens in the cities of, the, of Judea and Samaria, means uh, from Hebron in the south all the way to Jenin in the north, and he proves that the control on the ground actually belongs to the clans, not to the Palestinian Authority. The clans are controlling the place. And he concludes uh, his article by saying that either we, Palestinians, abolish the clanism and become a civil society or the only solution which can be implemented is the eight emirate solution which the Israeli researcher Mordechai Kedar came out with. This is what Mashur al-Batran is writing in this world. Of course, it's in Arabic. Let, let's say that this plan was implemented tomorrow. Do, do you think Palestinians would be okay with this? Or do you think that there would be um, 
uh, let's say, backlash and eruption of uh, uh, protests and violence? Look, uh, if the cities will be left by the PA to do whatever they like, they will declare uh, statehood and independence tomorrow morning. The problem is that the PA is armed. They have their army and the police and they are armed to the teeth and they might uh, behave like the regime in Syria or in Iraq. If uh, a city like, uh, let's say, Jenin uh, dares to declare statehood, means that they are separate, uh, they get separate from the uh, PA. Uh, if a city like Hebron declares statehood, I think that the PA will not do anything because Hebron is too strong. Hebron is too strong economically, and there are, the clans have militias, and the PA will not be able to do anything if Hebron declares a statehood on independence and to solve every problem with Israel uh, bilaterally. And I think that there are people actually who actually speak about this in Hebron because they hate the Palestinian Authority. Isn't it, isn't it fair to assume, though, that there will be some amount of rejection and some amount of violence and that violence will make Israel need to continue security in the territories, causing checkpoints as exist today, creating a, a system that is unequal, which just continues to perpetuate this problem, further fueling hate against us. Not at all. The mechanism in the Middle, in the Middle East says that once the clans uh, get the authority, they behave in responsibility. Today, the clans have a marginal role, only in solving problems between people. By the way, in Hebron, nobody goes to court or to the police. They solve all the problems, um, you know, between themselves, according to the tribal or to the clannish uh, uh, customs. They gather all the jaha, as they call it in Arabic, the group of mashayikh, uh, of the old people, the shuyukh, the sheikhs, and they solve the problem within an hour. Every problem, every dispute, every struggle, every um, problem between people, they solve it and they know how to solve it. They don't resort to the uh, Palestinian uh, judicial system. They don't go to the police. They don't need the mechanisms of the Palestinian Authority because they have their own ways how to uh, uh, deal with, with dispute and struggles and uh, differences. So uh, this is why, socially, the PA has very, very little presence in Hebron area. So if Hebron declares statehood, this will be only natural, and the clans of Hebron definitely can control, can control themselves, um, just like in the Emirates in the Gulf. Who controls the Emirates in the Gulf? The clans? <laughs> The clans of the Emirates in the Gulf, they can, they, the mechanisms here in, in Hebron are more or less the same like in the Gulf. So this is why I'm more than sure that it will work. Now, there is another very important characteristic in clannish states. They locate the jihadists way before the others. And they get rid of them before the others even know that the jihadists succeeded to come to their place. They have very sensitive uh, sense of uh, smell. And they smell the jihadists from very far. And they get rid of them very decisively be because these uh, jihadists want to challenge the authority of the clan before they want to challenge us, Israel. So this is why. I'm more than sure that the clans will know very well how to deal with all the jihadists, whether from Hamas or the jihad or all the others. Right, so it's would you say this is similar to the South Africa homeland plan? Not at all. This so is what, what, this is exactly what are the key distinctions? Because I know people make that comparison. 
look, this comparison is politically de- derived. Because people who hate Israel, who do not want Israel to live in peace, they will compare it to South Africa. I compare it to the Emirates in the Gulf. Or to Monaco, um, Andorra, uh, Liechtenstein, Gibraltar, Vatican. Okay? Uh, These are peaceful countries. Wouldn't you you say there's a slight difference? Because here you have a bunch of little states living inside a bigger state where they don't have equal rights within that bigger state and who who they by and large feel like that land is theirs as well. Doesn't give them freedom of movement to to visit family. They can't see Jerusalem without waiting at checkpoints. They don't have access to the sea without waiting at checkpoints. So it it doesn't... Since that estate... Look, if an Egyptian wants to see the the Syria, he has to get a visa as well. It it is a different state. It it is the how it works in every state in the world. If you want to go to another state and to see the sea, you you have to go to a checkpoint and to, to show that you have a visa. Where is the problem? Just like us, they well, have a state. But it's slightly different because it's a, Not it's at all. a state that's no, it's, it's a, direct. It's your mindset. It's, no, it's your mindset. Just you think from a box. And what I'm doing, I'm thinking from out of the box. And the box is that there is a Palestinian nation and a Palestinian state. And here I am willing to abolish it. No, there is no Palestinian nation and no Palestinian state. What we have is Palestinian authority, which failed in everything. It it, it became with the years, especially last year, a totally illegitimate in the in the eyes of the people nobody wants it and uh, and 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 the only people who follow the palestinian authority are those who get the money from the from it but the majority of the people in judea and samaria they don't see the money because the the money is being stolen by uh, mahmoud abbas and and his gang so nobody i i think we're we're in agreement First of all, I'm with you that we need to think outside the box because we have a complex situation. We're going to need a creative solution. So I'm with you entirely. I And I agree with you completely that most Palestinians do not like the PA. I think where we, we where we have some disagreement is the how much how much power we give Palestinian nationalism. You, you seem you see it as not that strong. But when I, you know, when I speak to Palestinians or, you know, when I just see how they act, they they wave the Palestinian flag. They wear necklaces of the whole land from the river to the sea. They have profile pictures of Yasser Arafat. So much of their identity, they might have clan identity, but so much of their external facing identity is Palestinian identity. It's very strong. Now, what what's what solidified it for for the past hundred years is is struggle and resistance, right? It it probably would not be nearly as strong if they, there there wasn't a conflict with Israel. So I'm open to what you're saying that let's say Palestine were to exist, they would have no external struggle to unify them. I could see a situation where there would be infighting. So I think that that we're I think we're in agreement there. I think you made a very clear case that that there there would be infighting because of different tribes and if they don't have a common enemy to y- unite around then they then the infighting might begin i th- i think that's there's a strong case to be made there but i do think uh, it, it's just hard for me to see them agreeing to this in the first place without without violence and and let's say a third intifada and just getting into more of the same situation so that's really my concern i don't think the Palestinian national identity is made up. I think it's actually very strong, and I think it's not. It's not going to be so easy to convince them to just, you know, get rid of that and say, okay, fine, a plan's enough. Like that. That's the problem I'm having trouble buying in this whole story. Well, again, you you find it hard to get uh, out from the box, which we were all uh, pushed into by all kinds of people who thought that this is the only solution. No, it is not correct. First of all, if they had a feeling of unity, they would unite uh, Gaza and Judea and Samaria. And for 13 years, they are, you should read in Arabic what they write about each other, how they speak about each other, how they curse each other, how they uh, 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 describe each other as a traitor. 
you know, the language actually reflects how deep uh, are the feelings against each other uh, between Gaza and between Hamas and, and, and Fatah. And if you think that uh, it is, it is, it, it could be bridgeable this uh, divide between Fatah and Hamas, you actually uh, uh, you, you are totally detached from the reality. Just read what they write about each other in their original language, only to sense the 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 how deep the emotions against each other. This is why I don't believe that ever there will be any uh, uh, unification between Hamas and Fatah. And if it will be, it will break after a week. So uh, this is why uh, uh, I I don't buy this thing about nationalism because it was if it was there it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such a, a language between uh, these uh, th- these uh, two parts and uh, not to mention other parts like the, the jihad the Islamic jihad which has a problem with everybody and the others so uh, uh, we you know Westerners or Israelis tend to to ignore uh, these things. Okay, this is uh, our problem because we don't really think we don't we don't really see what really happens there because we don't have Arabic, we don't speak Arabic, we don't understand what goes there, and we don't understand the, the culture of of these uh, places, and uh, this is why we think from our point of view. Since the Israeli nationalism succeeded, by the way, because we get married with each other, uh, you know, after generation two or three after after we came here. Uh, people from different uh, backgrounds get married with each other eventually. Uh, not maybe not the Haredim, not the uh, okay, but uh, in generally, this is the situation. This is why uh, Israel is a story of success in nation building. While everywhere in the Arab world, everywhere, it failed. Nation building failed. Maybe in Egypt, it it succeeded. Maybe a little bit in in Tunisia, because of the different situation in Egypt and Tunisia. But uh, everywhere else, it's a total failure. And uh, we don't get it. And we continue to think about them from our lenses, from our mindset. And this is wrong. These are different societies, different culture, different background, different everything. And to project our views on them to project our mindset on them this is colonialism cultural colonialism to to say that they think like us that they behave like us that they want just like what we want this is a real colonialism i am out of it i i don't i am not part of it i honor their culture i honor their traditions I honor their ways of living. And this is why I don't try to say that there is no clanism. And this is the problem. Do people you think know? that they are, you know, people who think from the modern or postmodern uh, point of view talk about universal values. For example, what are universal values? Life, keeping you healthy, your health. Okay. Who told you that these are universal values? There are some societies which do not value evaluate life as high as in the West. So who told you that there are universal values? Yeah, I'd say there's a secular humanist approach that is trying to create right. uh, that's trying to create universal values that are not dependent on on religious belief, but it still differs from culture to culture. Yes, of course, and and this is uh, some kind of. Uh, you know, to be oblivious of other cultures or even not uh, ill-willingness to look at other cultures and to honor them. And this is actually what characterizes today the public discourse in Western Europe, in America, and maybe in Israel as well, to ignore the fact that there are other cultures and to honor them. Look, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the proof. In our mindset, um, either you have democracy or you have dictatorship. These are the two uh, 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 possibilities of regime. Okay? Either you are dictatorial like the Soviet Union or Iraq or whatever, or, or in North Korea, 
or you are democratic, like uh, United States, Britain, France, and so forth. Okay? These are the two possibilities. And if you don't have neither, neither democracy or, or uh, dictatorship, you have anarchy. As you mentioned, people will start fighting each other. These are the, only, the three options. Uh, or the two options, uh, uh, demo- democracy and dictatorship, and the alternative is anarchy. Okay? Do you know about another system? No. Because this is not in my mind. But in the Middle East, there is another system, which is the clan. The clan is, not, is, is neither democracy nor dictatorship. This is a different style, different, different scheme. This is a different system, which we, in our Western mind, we don't understand. We don't fathom. We don't get it. That there is another system which works very well in Kuwait, in Qatar, in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, in Sharka, Ras al-Khaimah, Fujairah, Ajman, Umkawin, all these uh, Emirates, and you know what? Oman as well, the, the Sultanate of Oman, the same thing. And it works. Oops, what is this? Is this democracy? No. Is this a dictatorship? No. Is this an anarchy? No. So what is it? See? Now you understand. What I am willing to implement in Hebron, Jenin, and so forth, that system which you have no clue about. Because it is nowhere in the scope of the Western thinking. It's neither democracy, nor anarchy, and no dictatorship. It is a clan state. And this is an emirate, actually. It's a different name, but the same, the same essence. And for this, you have to learn about uh, how it works. How does it work? What are the mechanisms of... Uh, and this is why I, I don't accept this uh, uh, comparison with South Africa. And you know what? Let me tell you the truth. I have no idea what was there. I never researched what the South Africans wanted to do in those Bantu stands. And it's not important because I'm not emulating anything in Africa. What I want to emulate is what works very well in the Middle East. So we're, we're going to, we, we are running low on time. I, I have one or two more questions, but we'll take some audience questions. So chat, uh, start asking questions you want from, uh, Dr. Kedar, I, I would say that it might be worth looking at the Bantu stands in South Africa because there's something that is similar to, to South Africa that is more similar to our situation than our situation is to UAE, and that is s- small small nations inside a bigger nation where they are not a part of or equal. No, no, no. This is something which, no, no, no. This is something which the world knows very well how to deal with. There are other precedents in Europe, in many other countries, where states are enclaves. Kosovo recently was established. It's an enclave within a state. No, no, this is something which the world knows very well how to live with. There are all kinds of mechanisms and there are all kinds of ways. And uh, th- this, okay, problem, well, I'm, I'm, this problem I, I, is already... I, I can't... I can't tell you I'm, I'm an expert at different Bantu stand type uh, solutions, but I do know that that one did Please don't fail say Bantustan. Please don't say Bantustan because this is as far as could be from the Boston side. You can okay. talk about Emirates. Fair. Um, we, we are getting some questions. Just real quick. Have you considered the Federation solution to keep the land whole and have these clans have their own states, but be part of a greater federation of Israel and Palestine? And that essentially does local autonomy, like you have explained, is important, but at the same time allows Palestinians to keep their national identity. And to me, seems like it could be a more peaceful path forward. Um, Look, factually and economically, it will be a federation. Uh, between Israel and every one of these Emirates. And if they want to have a political federation, it's okay with me. Uh, they, they can make a, a, a confederation with Jordan and Egypt as well. 
it's their own choice. I don't, uh, I, I have no, I, no objection to anything like this. It's okay. And, and economically, definitely, they will be very, very much connected to Israel because they will have to use the Israeli seaports. They have to use uh, the, the maybe Ben-Gurion airport as well. So uh, definitely, economically, they will be connected to Israel, no doubt. But uh, politically, and, and you know, they, they will vote for their own parliament. They don't have to vote for the Knesset. And this is the important thing. And these countries, or these Emirates, at the end of the day, will be sovereign. So every one of them will have citizenship. And the passport and whatever they have, what would they need as, as a state. And it's okay with me. Let them have a flourishing state in Hebron. Where, where is the problem? I don't get the problem. Okay. And you know, size size doesn't mean much in the world. On the contrary, big countries tend to fall apart, like the Soviet Union, Yugoslavia, uh, Sudan. Okay, all these countries are very big and multinational, multi multicultural countries. Uh, uh, small countries are flourishing. Look at the Emirates in the Gulf. Size here works against the big the big the big states. So I, I, do, I do want to tell you, me personally, um, there's certain things that I, I think you've convinced me of. For example, that infighting might be, seems likely in an independent Palestinian state. The area where I'm less sure about is that the Palestinian national identity will just go away. Um, but I, I, personally, I'm, I consider myself solution agnostic. It doesn't go away. It was imagined <laughs> always. This is a, this is something. First of all, it's a, historically it's it's fairly new. Palestinian nationalism. People talk about this, maybe maybe thirty years, forty years. That's all. It's a, it's fairly new, and the national the idea of nationalism was meant, which was created by the way by the, by some Israelis, uh, who tried to convince them they are a nation. They are not a nation, and the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and and uh, this nationalism, Palestinian nationalism, has to kick out the awareness of thousands of years of clanism, not to mention Islam. Because, you know, there are many Palestinians who are not Muslims. They are, they are Christians. So how, how do you combine Christians and Muslims together in one national uh, uh, awareness? Did it work in Iraq? Did it work in Syria? Did it work in Egypt? Did work anywhere else in the Arab world? No. Christians and Muslims have deep problems between them. So if you think that, and you know what? I, I'll give you a good example. Uh, the city of Bethlehem is not part of the uh, of the Emirate clan, uh, plan. Why? The city of Bethlehem was a Christian city until 1994. It was like, uh, like 80 or 90% Christians. But since the PA took uh, Bethlehem under its uh, wings, the, some clans of the Abayat and Sawahra came for Baitzachor and kicked all the Christians out to Central America and uh, took their houses and they live there until today. This is the good relations you know, national awareness of Christians and Muslims together as it was demonstrated in Bethlehem. Uh, in Bejala, 100% ran away. Okay? So, tell me about national awareness which unites the groups. Forget it. It never worked, it doesn't work, and in the foreseeable future, it will never work. Right. So I, I think that that's an area where I, I by and large agree with you that there that the national identity might begin to weaken the second there's no conflict. Right. One of the reasons it's so strong is because of the conflict. But I, I think that the existence of a national identity is going to create immense resistance to this plan, making it to me seems unviable, because if you tell Palestinians now there's no Palestine, you have your clan like. It Adal. seems that there would be a rejection. Adal, Adal, let me tell you. Uh, Everyone who is loyal to the PA, well, only because the money he gets. 
once Israel gives the money, not to the PA, but to the government of Hebron, or the government, and the government of Nablus, and the government of, immediately, immediately, you will see people running around with the flags of Hebron. This is how it works. Okay. I, so, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'm solution agnostic. I will support any solution that the majority agree with that will create a, a, a just situation that provides security, liberty, and possibility for prosperity for all people. So whether that's one state, two states, federation, uh, emirates, I could get behind it. I would just need to see popular support on, on both sides. I am seeing... Uh, a bunch of questions about the practicality of it, how how we can actually move this forward, what you think re resistance would be, who's on board, who isn't on board. First of all, the PA will reject it. Uh, you know, the, the PA pays like more than 3% of its budget to terrorists and terrorists' uh, families. More than 3% of its budget is being spent on terrorism, encouraging terrorism by paying these people. The clans will not pay a penny to anyone who tries to undermine the stability of the clan and the, and the state. And they, they will be the last people on earth to encourage terrorism. Okay? This is why I'm more than sure that this will work much better than what doesn't work with the PA especially the terror issue. Why, why do you think Israel hasn't done this already? Because the Israeli politicians never spent an hour listening to your program uh, where you bring somebody like myself to show and to speak about this plan. They think from the Western point of view because they, don't, they are still in the box. So when you see like uh, Bibi Netanyahu, he's been in power for, uh, I think, a total of 12 years. What, what do you think he's actually working towards? Do you, think he, do you think he actually has a solution in his mind or is he just only considering the next election and what he needs to do or say to get reelected? Do, do you think there is an actual plan here in, in government or not, not so much? Let me ask you with a question. Have you ever seen any plan which Netanyahu wants to implement on the ground with the Palestinians? Uh, only, only before elections, he kind of will say one thing and then go, you know, yeah. Okay, so this But is my... I, okay. Fair. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately the, the uh, Israeli government is deeply uh, uh, engaged in... Uh, dealing with current issues or current problems okay they they don't think strategically There's no vision no vision no strategic plan nothing they are as we say in hebrew to deal with fires This is a message I'm bringing it up just because it's a nice message from Jason Demuni, a Palestinian Christian. He says he appreciates Kedar for coming on the show. I truly hope that one day we find the right solution that works for all of us. Thank you so much to Perth. Um, great. So it, we're, we're just about um, out of time. Uh, any final thoughts and words, uh, Dr. Kedar? First of all, I highly recommend to everyone Uh, to study Arabic because once you study Arabic you can really sense uh, and you have direct access to the real things not to live on translations or others analysis which is in too many too many cases tendentious analysis uh, you can decide by yourself what you think and what you what you know by reading would you uh, say anything about American uh, anything without reading anything in English? Can you understand the French system without reading what French people write and say? The same thing in the Arab world. Whoever wants to really understand the Arab world has to study Arabic, has to learn Islam, has to learn the Arab history and Arab culture. 
And uh, I spent already 54 years of my life, uh, especially on these things. And this is why I'm speaking from, convic from, from conviction about the Arab world, uh, because I spent some years learning uh, all these things. And unfortunately, people who make decisions, uh, usually they, they are clueless about the culture of the Middle East, about the history of the Middle East, about the religions and the sociology of the Middle East. How can one make a decision about anything in the Middle East without knowing? Would you accept a, a, a doctor, you know, to take some something from your skin if he didn't uh, pass seven years in, in, in university studying surgery and have some years of experience? Okay, the same thing in the Middle East. You need experts. You need people who know the, all these things, know the language, you know the languages, Persian as well, Turkish maybe as well, and to study the Middle East. And after you study about the Middle East, you can maybe say something cogent about the Middle East. Good advice. Learn Arabic. I think that's a great idea. I, I recently started. Um, I still can't have a conversation, but um, I'm with you on that. Dr. Kedar, thank you so much. I, I would love to have you back for. I, I would love to have you back for a session on Discord in the lounge. So we'll talk about that. So anyone watching this, just know Dr. Kedar will hopefully be back with us uh, and an opportunity for the community to engage with him. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and uh, regardless, we're going to move over to Discord. I just put a link in the chat. So join us there. We're going to have a nice little session about this conversation. Uh, everyone will have an opportunity to share their thoughts. And with that, friends, signing off. Thank you.